another episode of the Nintendo Entertainment Podcast. I am Trevor Sod. Joining me today is Cookie Scott. Hello. If I get distracted, it's probably because I'm doing some strategy in my head for the next Fire Emblem maps. <laughs> <laughs> and also joining us all the way from Malaysia is Warrior Will. Hey guys, how you doing? Look, um, I don't really know why I'm talking to you here from Malaysia. I, I should I should be doing like other things like playing video games and watching the anime that I really, really like. Nani? <laughs> no, that was not actually Wario Will. That was my incredible <coughs> impersonation. That is incredibly accurate. You know it's true, Will. But yes, Will Will is over in Malaysia. We can confirm he got there safely. We still hear from him occasionally on our Discord. Um and most of our subs are not able to come in today, so it's just me and Scott. Hooray! Yay! I mean, oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, we'll do our best to hold down the fort, and we do have a lot to talk about. So let's get all started off with what have we been playing? Fire Emblem. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it's, it's, a, it's a thing. Uh, yes, it has now basically been a week since the release of Fire Emblem Engage, and uh, me and Scott have been playing it in various links. I got mine on Friday night, and Scott, when did you, when'd your copy arrive? Mine came on Tuesday evening. <laughs> See, this is why you gotta do digital, I mean, for like, for the big game. <clears throat> Unless you go into a store and buy it yourself, never ship it, because it takes forever. I mean, it does take forever, but I also really like having physical cartridges on switch games and i also like actually trying to get collector's editions now okay i mean is that what you got you got the collector's edition yeah i got the divine edition one okay but so you can you can buy those at stores and like you know just go drive to the store and then pick it up on the day of release so you're not waiting for four extra days i mean i might be able to do that sometimes <laughs> like i will never forget when i when i got Sp super smash brothers brawl it was the one time i didn't buy it directly from a store and i got it like two days after everyone else so they were already doing their <laughs> smash game and i was like waiting for my copy to come in like come on amazon come on what am i gonna play super smash Brothers brawl and i never did that again i have always bought them either digitally thanks to keith or others or i would go to the store and get it myself yeah I usually do get it at store if there's no like divine editions that I want kind of a deal, or I guess collectors. Yeah. But I do appreciate getting games, you know, digitally from either reviews or if I just, you know, can't wait till the store opens up and want to get it at like midnight. Yeah. So that's always the best thing about digital is you can just get it at midnight. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. so. Uh, we will, since it's only been a week in, we will not do heavy spoilers, uh, that and the fact that Scott's only had a few days of playing time. How many hours are you in the game, Scott? Um, I don't know how long I've been playing, but I know I'm at chapter 7 now. Okay, that's not bad. Uh, I am at chapter 19. That, that's much farther. Yes, it is. Because <laughs> I'm dedicated, Scott! Well, I'm sure you are. And I had four, like, again, I had like four days more time to play than you. And, and I lost a lot of time on on Sunday and Saturday because of football. And I still got more time in than you. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, uh, I, I'm i on Chapter 19. And currently I am about 23 hours in. 
which is honestly a little longer than I expected, because based on how I was hearing some reviews, but I'll explain what, how some of that time is a little bit padded in a bit. But uh, let's let's start with you. What are your first, I guess in your case, a couple of days? <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so I'm going to milk this for all its worth, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what what is your first couple of days impression of Fire Emblem Engage? I honestly <clears throat> really like Alir a lot better than I thought I was going to like him. Or her, whichever version of Alir you chose. I just chose the guy because I always try to do the guy first. You heard it here first, everyone. Scott <laughs> likes to do the guy first. <laughs> Yes. Phrasing. <laughs> I try to play as the guy first. Fine. Fair. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I usually do the girl for the harder run. I don't know why. It's just how I Dang do the game. It's, it's how I've always done Fire Emblem since I don't remember when. Phrasing, Scott. Phrasing. I try to play as the girl on the harder difficulties. <laughs> Continue. Um, <clears throat> so I really do like Alir. Um, the big twist at like chapter like three. I was kind of expecting it to happen, but not nearly that quick. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a couple of those like really early on, and, and that that really made me happy. Well, I'll get to that. So keep going. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's just like you you can kind of see it coming, but you're just like, I know I can't I can't love this character. Then all of a sudden, just like everything starts happening, and you're like, oh wow, this this just went down. I do appreciate some of the characters you get in the beginning. I wasn't the biggest fans of the original three stewards you get. <clears throat> but oh. I think that's just because I uh, wasn't the biggest fan of their characters in general. How do you not like Izuku Midoriya? What is wrong <laughs> with you? I like Deku. I just don't like him in Fire Emblem, okay? <laughs> I did it. I seriously did a double take. I'm like, that's... That's Deku's voice. I mean, I, I've, I've watched enough My Hero Academia. I know Deku's yes. voice. And then the next day, they all the voice cast came out and said that they were there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is a Deku Vittoria. We got him in the Nintendo. I know that person. <laughs> I know that man. Yeah, he just, just, I mean, yeah, he just pulls a Deku, but instead of him liking, you know, All Might, he decides he loves you. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is what happens. I was so happy about him being Deku or having Deku in a Nintendo game. I'm just like, I completely forgot the comparison. Oh my gosh, they are this fanboy of <laughs> a certain character. Yes, they are. <laughs> See, so he's just he's just playing the role. He's just playing the role he was born. They know what they were hiring him for. Exactly. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. Oh, wow. All right, keep going. Um, I actually, um, one thing that I really, really love that they added in this is being able to actually walk across the whole terrain after like the end of missions. Yeah, that was and... a nice new feature. I know multiple <clears throat> people online who like that. Yeah, I really liked it. I mean, sure, a lot of fire. Like, I think it just also shows the show of how just like deliberate they made these maps now, just letting you experience them after the battle. Also, so you can pick up all the little trinkets that's on the ground and adopt animals. And of course, adopt animals. Oh my gosh, you get to adopt animals. <laughs> I was just super sad that I couldn't adopt the cat the first time I saw it because, like, you need a donation level of two. And I'm like, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> yeah. But you must spend the money to get the, the animals. This is how it works in real life and in the virtual world. <laughs> so I really actually, yeah, I, was, I love that aspect. You get to talk to the characters after the battle. So you basically get to hear, see their, like, after war impressions of what's going on kind of a deal. Yeah. 
uh, one thing you'll note, you will notice throughout the rest of the game is that they didn't out, outside of the emblem rings, which we'll talk about soon. They they not so much focused on the grander things to change. They focus on the smaller details to make it a little more fun. Yeah. And it's I liked it. I'm glad that they did this approach because you notice the details and you're like, oh, someone really put a lot of effort into doing that. And then other times it's like, you would have expected this, but then they do this. And I I appreciate that. Not not all of the smaller uh details work, which I'll talk about soon. But <laughs> It, it you could tell that they were trying to say like what's what's the little things let's let's not make like the grand sleeping epic let's make make like, these small changes to make the people feel good and all that so and I like that yeah I mean and a lot of people are having this weird <clears throat> back and forth on Fire Emblem Engage because there are a lot of people who want it to just be like another three houses <laughs> and there's those people who are like happy that it's not just another three houses and that in some we aspects about last week. Yes. We talked about last week. We did talk about like that last week. And I do appreciate that this take of Fire Emblem, honestly. Um, I do recognize that like a lot of its I wouldn't say story beats, but a lot of its like pacing beats are a lot more similar to older Fire Emblem titles. Absolutely. And I do appreciate that a lot. I do really like that it's not super like they're not trying to build up so much that they have this giant like catastrophe going on that you can't you can kind of see coming. But I do appreciate that's just a simple story of, okay, this person's bad, let's go kill them. And then that's like, that's the premise. <laughs> and it's just like, good, we know, we, know the, we know the goal, we know what we need to do. Let's... And then you just, basically, like, after chapter four, you're just, like, on your way, just, this is how this story's just going to keep going. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, as, as many reviews know, this does feel like one of the uh, more classic games, like a shadow dragon or sacred stones or even an awakening uh definitely i definitely get awakening vibes in certain things that i see not just with like the reference to a fell dragon and all that <laughs> yeah <clears throat> i'm still sad i have yet to recruit someone by just going to their house though yeah i can actually confirm that doesn't happen dang it <laughs> we can do it we can go to people's houses though which is nice but yes. the only thing you do is you just close their door <laughs> this is Hey, uh, there's a war happening outside. You want this closed? Okay, bye. <laughs> really? I every time I've gone to a door, I get an item. Well, yeah, I, I get items too, but I just think it's funny that its main purpose is for them to close the door. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got you got to think of the people. You got to think of the people. <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah, the, it definitely has those classic vibes, and I appreciate that to an extent. I do. I do miss some of the things that Three Houses did in terms of having that just that a little bit deeper of a narrative and certain things yeah. like characters and all that. But you can't do that, every, as we noted in our main event last week, you can't do that every time and tr still keep things fresh. Eventually, you're going to run out of, you know, ways you can branch the plot and everything. And yeah. And come up with like, the most tragic backstories ever and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we don't need to continuously try to recycle like narrative lines. So I'm I'm kind of happy that they're not going trying to do too much depth. Yeah. When we don't need that much depth, especially or depth when we uh, are basically essentially trying to do a war type of video game. Yeah. And one thing that they actually cover their base, and I don't think a a lot of people noticed this, but one of the things the difference between like say three houses 
and uh, engage in terms of world building is that they specifically state that outside of Brodia and Eleusia fighting one another, the land of Lithos has been peaceful for like a thousand years. Like yep. it's literally just these two people going up against each other, and they talk about that at times. Versus three houses where it was there's always been tension between the three main kingdoms and uh, the Church of Saros. And that led to, you know, what happened with Edelgard and Dimitri and Claude and all that. And so that was always boiling on the surface. You just had to peel back the layers versus here. It's like a lot of people don't have like that kind of combat experience. That's how, you know, like fighting bandits or whatever. Yeah, <clears throat> that is fine. So when I have, say, oh, I don't know, uh, Celine and Chloe talking about tea, why wouldn't they talk about tea? <laughs> Why wouldn't they? Or or when uh Edie go Eddie, who's one of my favorites, goes to Boucheron and asks about how he has such big muscles because she wants that. <laughs> and I'm like, Why not? Because she wants the muscles. Like she would go to the guy and go, like, you know, how can I get what what do you do to get such ripped muscles? You know, those conversations do happen in life. <laughs> yes. Okay. And there are deeper ones like uh, Ivy. Uh, probably shouldn't have said that. Uh, I Ivy and uh, Alier have some really deep conversations, and it's actually kind of gripping in terms of the twist that it takes going forward. Or uh, two character—I won't spoil this one—but two characters have an interaction where one of them basically almost has a heart attack. And oh. you're like, whoa, what's going on here? And it ties into their own backstories. And so they do get this depth, but they're also not afraid to talk about these lighter, funner storylines where it's just like, I want to talk about tea. I want to talk about muscles. I want to make a book about you. I want to go get a mineral. Can you help me with that? Sure, I'll go help you with that. There isn't, not everyone has these tragic, like, that's the one thing about Fire Emblem Three Houses that was almost unnerving at times, is that every one of the characters you really met had, like, a tragic backstory. Yes. Like, a tragic history, <clears throat> um, a tragic personality flaw, uh, and it was depressing. Yeah, like, it, it's one of those things where it's just, like, you feel like it's, like, been someone's, like, liter liter literary kind of character where they always do the whole you must have everybody suffer kind of a yeah. deal. And then, and I know what you're thinking, oh come on, Todd, that's not that's not true. Oh really? Let's see. Uh Edelgard tortured as a child and forced to, you know, try ha having to conspire against her own kingdom to take the throne. So nice job there. Uh yeah. Dimitri <laughs> is the wild boar. Need I say more? <laughs> Claude is technically the least tragic, but he was also raised a certain way and he had to become sinister in his own way to deal with all the politics and stuff. So yeah. that. Uh, Lysithia is dying. Bernadetta is a recluse because her father tortured her in certain ways. Yeah. Uh, see, bound her to a chair. Didu, <laughs> uh, enough said. Uh, let's see, Felix, he was overshadowed by his brother and he hated his death and his he had to think of his father. Uh, Dorothea was uh, basically uh, homeless until someone found her beautiful, which is tragic in its own right. Uh, I could keep going. <laughs> oh, Ingrid. <laughs> there is a lot of characters. Yeah, Ingrid, Ingrid lost her fiance, and she never really got over that. It, it was that was uh, Dimitri's brother, and you know, so on and so on and so forth. 
They're all tragic! Yes. Every one of them! <laughs> so, and so for, the, for the, these characters to not have, some do have that baggage. Like, some obviously do. But others are just like, hey, let's just hang out. Hey, let's just talk about this stuff. Hey, let's do this thing. Why not? <laughs> it's it's okay to have lighthearted <laughs> characters. Not everyone needs to be their own OC and their own backstory. <laughs> yeah. It's like, not not everyone needs to be like John Snow levels of tragedy. <laughs> it's like, I'm a single man. Know your greets. What <laughs> uh, one thing I do want to talk about is the emblem rings. Yes. Because, and I know you're only seven chapters in, but you've gotten how many rings so far? Uh, so, let's see, I've got Marts, uh, Celica's, Sigurd's. I just unlocked Micaiah's. Okay, so you got Yanaka. Yanaka's one of my favorites, too. Yeah, she actually is great. <laughs> and then I got the first DLC one of the uh, three, the three kingdoms. The three houses? The three houses, yeah. I mean, the characters we just talked about, so why... Exactly, I just got them as a bracelet or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I saw someone... Oh, here's a fun fact. If you... Once you get Byleth later in the game, there's actually a special unity attack that they can do together. So you put Byleth ring on one person, the, the three houses on another, and then I guess it's when you do their attack or Byleth's attack, they actually have a special unity cutscene where they're all together. So, oh, cool. I know, I saw that on Twitter. I haven't done that because I don't have the DLC. Uh, I didn't get the expansion pass. I just wanted to play the main game. I got the expansion pass just so I could get Tiki. <laughs> <laughs> but have you Which, Tiki? I've tried to work on getting Tiki. Apparently, you have to go through a bunch of uh, paralog events before uh, you can get her. How dare so, you make me work for this? I won't exactly. Dang you. So, I just got done with like one of the paralog events so I could get Tiki, but. That was just a paralogue event to unlock the other paralogue event that I need to do to get Tiki. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I I have currently gotten or have seen all twelve rings. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, I won't spoil ha what happens or what order, but I will say there are a couple twists with them that are really significant, not just in terms of plot, but in terms of flow. Okay. You're good. After a while, and I'm sure you already have an idea. You're thinking, okay, this is how the plot is going to go. It's not. Something, oh, good. So, something is going to happen, and it's going to change the paradigm. So be ready for that. And, yeah, because I already have my own theory, and so I'm hoping that's wrong. There you go. <laughs> but uh, I love how the emblem rings are handled in terms of both their presentation and how they affect combat. Uh, every one of them is different, like emphatically. Like, it's not just, oh, they have a different weapon, or they're just a different lord from a different game. They've made sure that every one of these characters acts differently. So you're going to want to think about who you pair them with. Will you go for, like, the basic one? Where you go, are you going to, like, take a chance and throw someone on someone else? Uh, like, for example, when I got Leaf a little later on, uh, I, I attached him to Chloe. And I, at first I was just like, well, why not? Let's just give her the ring. And then as I used her with Leaf... It actually worked in my favor because Leaf's ability is to give extra weapons to the person he's attached to. So when you unleash his special attack, you'll do four attacks at once with different weapons. So you're that's guaranteed cool. to do like a really big attack on them. And that's really helpful because Chloe's great. I really like her. But 
she's limited because she's only a lance user and a boat and yes a, and a rider so she is one of my favorite characters so it kind of sucks that she only has access to like lances and a little bit of bow <laughs> yeah. you, could, you could second seal and master seal her to different classes but i, I went with the traditional because i needed a flyer gotcha especially at the beginning of the game but yeah it, uh it really worked and then with uh yanaka I'm like, oh, I probably won't keep Micaiah on her, despite them, you know, having the immediate connection. Because I'm like, she's a thief, and I don't need. <laughs> don't need my thief being a healer. <laughs> I don't need my thief being a healer. And then as I started using her as both a thief and a healer, I'm like, crap, this is actually a really good thing because Micaiah's inherent ability is to let anyone who wields her be a staff user. And yep. so now all of a sudden, I have two healers between her and Selene, uh, and I'm like, okay, this works. So. You'll you'll find yourself twisting your or, or changing your strategies based on who you who what emblems you have and who you attach them to. And later on in the game, once you get more characters and you get more rings, you're like, okay, which ones do which ones do I think would pair well here? Like some of them are obvious, like Sigurd with Alfred. You know, yeah, they're, they're both horse riders. It's all about m mobility, and everything else. Yeah, I love just how far he goes with it. <laughs> just exactly. be like, let me just go to the other side of the map real quick. <laughs> yeah, but then another another and. and starting out i was like okay maybe when i get this character i'll put it on this person because they have a similar weapon but i didn't do that because of where they ended up initially and when i use that capability with this one character i'm like you know that actually works out to my advantage because i can do this i can do this i can do this so you're gonna you're gonna be thinking outside the box and sometimes you'll probably lean to where the story puts the characters and other times you're like no i want to i want to remove that and put it on there so it's it's really fun I'm excited to do more and to unlock more. <laughs> and honestly, so um, one random quick note, because for those okay. who've been listening, I actually have gotten a 4K TV for Black Friday and playing anything on the Switch on 4K is kind of terrible. <laughs> Except I tried playing Engage and the way that they upscale like the stylized graphics of Engage is actually really good. Like it actually looks OK 1080p upscaled to 4K. <laughs> I can't say that about every Switch game, though. No. <laughs> Especially the Pokemon ones. Those ones do not upscale well. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't know. I've never, I don't think I've ever looked at a 4K TV, nor do I have a desire to. But... I was wanting to get another 1080p, but apparently 1080p TVs are more expensive than 4K TVs now, and it's just weird. That is weird. That is emphatically weird. Or at least they were for Black Friday, I guess. It might be just their Black Friday sales and 4K TVs are just really good. And then after Black Friday, the TVs go back up in price, and 1080p are still around the same price. Yeah, I have I I have an HD TV. I've had it for years. I'm good with it. When it <laughs> breaks, then I'll get another one. <laughs> hopefully, it won't break anytime soon. Yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> but uh, one one thing I, I and you'll you'll experience this more as you play the game. One disappointment that I have with the Fire Emblem ones is, first of all, there's only one Ike. Okay, we can have so many more Ikes. <laughs> Ike. Young Ike, old Ike, no. <laughs> Young Ike, brave Ike, radiant Ike. Uh, I can think of more. Uh, Bring it in the Fire Emblem Heroes now. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, going, I'm going full merchant. And it, it's very clear that Engage influ influ or, uh, was influenced by Heroes. It's yes. Really, they're not even trying to hide it. No, way. not at all. I mean, they even have a freaking gotcha system with the rings. <laughs> oh, yeah, they do. They do. Uh, I, I will say that I feel they missed out on certain things because 
when you you obviously have the support conversations and those are fine. Yeah. And you technically have them with the emblem rings, but they're all of two sentences. Yeah, they're not very long, and sometimes they're not even like important to anything. They're just like, oh, you're you're stronger now. Cool, cool. Exactly. And <laughs> I find that so annoying because, especially in a certain cutscene later on, the the connection between Alier, especially and and the rings, is like he implies that you know they've been you know talking forever, and you know their bond is strong, and blah blah blah, and when I talk, okay, I here's one, I, uh, I Alfred, Alfred and Sigurd, their B support conversation is Sigurd talks about his sister rushing off into battle, and he goes, "What do you think about that, Alfred?" And he goes, "Well, my sister always calls me a barbarian, but I have no idea why." End of conversation. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not even a full conversation. That's a cliffhanger. Like, and they do this with every single one. And yes, I I know that that some of them do have you know really witty lines. Like apparently, if you pair uh, Yunaka with uh, Lucina, you get a very interesting revelation about the name of Falchion. Oh, I won't spoil it, but it's it's very hilarious apparently, and it's all about comedy taste. But like, I want more of that. I want more of like these characters bonding. And I understand that that would be hard to do across all the characters and blah blah blah. But if you're already putting in all the effort into making the support conversations, you really should do the same for the emblem rings, especially when the emblem rings are one of the hooks of the game. Yes, they're an important part, especially because a lot of these emblem rings are characters people really like. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or some of them, they may, not, they may only know them from heroes, and they would like to you know, see them represented more than they do in heroes, which is like you know, another one where it's, only a few lines of dialogue unless they're in a specific cutscene or a Tempest trial. So it's a bit of a letdown when, you know, I'm like, oh, I get to talk to Marth. It's two sentences later. I'm done talking with Marth. <laughs> Apparently Marth was just bored of you. No? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I will, always, I will be watching over you always in the conversation. <laughs> it's like, Marth has <laughs> left the chat. <laughs> Is that just how he ends his chats? <laughs> it's like, oh, but Marth, I wasn't I wasn't done talking. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. So, yeah. Uh, let's talk about the maps now because that's one thing I absolutely want to praise this game for is that every, almost every map I've done in the main storyline and some of the paralogs has been like a legitimate challenge. Uh, yeah. And again, I'm, I'm 19 main chapters deep plus paralogs, which I'll, which I'll dive into in a second. Uh, and they they are almost always a challenge. I always have to think like you know what's my next move. You know what am I doing here? What's what's going on here? And I'm glad because you you sometimes worry if a game is gonna go so simple that it's easy. And there's obviously an easy mode. I went for the standard mode of play. That's how I always play it. Uh, but I I'm finding challenge in everything, and I'm so glad that I have the dragon crystal <laughs> so that I can rewind time. Because I have made mistakes, and I don't. And there are levels that t have taken me like forty minutes to an hour to complete because I am meticulously planning all my moves and trying to think ahead, and you know, trying to make sure certain characters get their levels up they need, so they're not just holding everyone back. Exactly, <laughs> absolutely, I totally do that. So freaking Fram takes forever to level up in this game. I swear. Really? Okay. <laughs> I I honestly I uh I dropped Fram, um and 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 Graham and Vander. Yeah. I probably should drop Fram, but I just appreciate having Fisticuffs healer. 
Yeah, and I did too at the beginning, but you'll get more characters later on, and then it'd be like, who am I going to sacrifice? It's Fram. <laughs> it's Fram. It's Fram. It probably will be, because, I mean, I don't know why they made her be a tanky healer with fisticuffs, because they decided to give her the chain card ability for whatever reason. <laughs> well, uh, it, uh, they were definitely trying out some new things, and we got some new units, like with the fisticuffs yeah. healer, or the wolf knight, who you'll get later. Oh my gosh, Marin, the wolf knight, one of my favorite characters. Like, they are, they are so OP. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know wolf so awesome by default Duh. Oh, <laughs> so but uh yeah uh, that, that was actually another uh but the, the the maps are great and a small spoiler for you when it comes to the emblems the emblems get their own special paralogs which reference some of their past games Ooh, i like that yeah it's really cool and they and i i, I literally paused the game uh at paralog for byleth and once you when you go into that map you're like oh i know what level this is oh no <laughs> so yeah so that that's a really clever idea and they do they do allow the emblems to talk more in both the main story and in these paralogs which i appreciate so they 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 reference their histories and they show their personalities like they got they nailed ike to a t ike is incredible i mean ike has always been incredible i mean he's ike He's like, <laughs> he's still, I am mad that I did not get Ike before Micaiah. I have feelings oh, on that. I I, I see. <laughs> I, I do not like Micaiah. She insulted Ike, and I have never forgiven her. <laughs> like, oh, but Ike probably has. No. <laughs> yeah. I, she said a line in Radiant Dawn. Oh, yes, Ike, hero of Crimea, hero of Crimea and the father to soft children. I'm like, oh, you monster. How dare you insult the greatness that is Ike, and I never forgave her for that. I don't care that her voice actress is Veronica Taylor, the voice of Ash and Manuela. I don't care. I I hate her in spite of Veronica Taylor trying to save her voice-wise. So, yeah. Not even Veronica Taylor can save my uh, Micaiah my from my hate. You insulted Ike, you have to go. <laughs> Done. Period. There is no redemption. <laughs> there is no redemption. But they, but they became friends later. Don't care. <laughs> Don't care. She she judged the Radiant Hero of Dawn just because her boyfriend, which we all knew she they were going to get together, uh, liked him more than her. So jealousy fueled the worst insult of all time. <laughs> so, yeah, not bitter. Not bitter at all. But uh... <laughs> I'll believe you. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but, yeah, the... The gameplay is a lot of fun. It's a lot, like that was actually the one the one consistent thing throughout the reviews that I saw was that this is like top tier tactical gameplay. You know, you have to be careful with your units. I've almost lost matches or I have like lost characters and had to do the rewind because of bad decisions or not fully understanding the situation and blah blah blah. So definitely go into this game thinking realizing you're gonna have to do a lot of thinking. Okay. You have to think <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, let's actually talk about the visuals. You, you mentioned it for the 4K TV, but I really like the visual style for this game. I do, too. I love it. Yeah, and especially <laughs> in the cutscenes, it's, like, it's very, it's stylish, it's flawless most of the time. Um, I will say, and I'll mention this in my, in my review, they do pull a little bit of a Pokemon Scarlet and Violet in that there are certain moments where you see, like, certain clipping and such. And you're like, how did they not notice that? <laughs> a great example is uh, uh, Cram, Cram, 
Deku's voice. Whose character? Oh, yeah, I think Cran or whatever. Yeah, Cran. Cram. It's Fran and Cram, I believe. And, yeah. Uh, I haven't used him in a while, so I forgot. But yeah, it's, it's Cram. Fine. So yeah, Cram's hair clips through his body. <laughs> it's so noticeable. And I'm like, how do you not notice that? I mean, it's just, it's just like the natural animation of his hair. He's got this braid, and it, like it'll like the wobble back and forth, which is a nice detail. And then you like you see a clip through his body. I'm like, no one noticed that. <laughs> and that happens with a few characters. Like a one character's arms goes right through her dress as she's moving them. I'm like, this is a main cutscene. How do you not notice that? I mean, Yikes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not it's not Scarlet and Violet levels of horrible, but sometimes you notice. Or I uh, one character when she uses a certain emblem, the weapon will clip through their arm through their natural idol animation. I'm like, no one that. <laughs> okay. And again, yes, I am a former QA tester. I am trained to look for the flaws. Someone should have caught that. <laughs> yeah. Should have caught that. <laughs> Uh, I think that's a fair criticism. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it, especially when the game like looks so stylish, but then you see those those things, I'm like, dang it! You're, You're almost so perfect. <laughs> also, since Will's not here and Tyler's not here, let's talk about some of the outfits for the ladies. <laughs> Can you like try to have a little shame, Fire Emblem? Like seriously. <laughs> They like their really weird dresses that have like outbacks. <laughs> yeah, like I'll just give you two characters right here: Chloe, Chloe, and Ivy have like outfits that are so incredibly revealing, and this is their battle outfits. Like, why? And I like Ivy's design with like the little like see-through hat and whatever. That's a really like, unique design. But then you get down to her chest area, and it's just like gong. <laughs> and Chloe is not much better. Thankfully, when you get her rank up form, it, she covers it up. I'm like, ladies, you're going to the battle and you're really painting a mark on your chest that, hey, I'm not protected right here. Like, <laughs> that is fair. They definitely should have better prepped armor. Yeah. And I mean, and I've praised Fire Emblem in the past for some of their their female character designs in terms of how they look in their armor. And then you get, and then ever since, like, I want to say Fates, because that's when uh, Camilla came around. Like, they just didn't care anymore. <laughs> they, they, they would do, like, Camilla, and they would do Charlotte, and uh, uh, Manuela, and Dorothea, and you're going to meet a character named Goldmary, who's also rather voluptuous, and it's she doesn't even try to hide her flirtatious nature at points, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, uh, are you just trying to make waifu material? Like, I know that appeals to certain people. <laughs> right, Will? Nani? But I mean, we have heroes, and I feel like that's also another influence from that. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Heroes is infamous. I've ranted on that many a time here on the podcast. Um, I mean, I'm not saying, and I know you think, "What's well, Todd? Like, you know, just like men can dress up in anything, women can dress up in anything, and that's true. But some of these people are like princesses and royal knights, and they're wearing these outfits that no reasonable princess or knight would wear into battle." <laughs> Or, no. or, be, or be considered royalty by wearing. So, I mean, yes, it's a fantasy land. It's, you know, who knows about the fashion styles and blah, blah, blah. But the only one that technically has an excuse is uh, uh, Tamara, who is a princess of Psalm. And she has a really eccentric outfit. 
But that <laughs> honestly fits her personality. She is an eccentric singer, wanderer, princess, and she would wear this absolutely insanely bright and colorful outfit because that's just who she is. So, you know, make of it what you will. I will not stop complaining about this. <laughs> like, I want to be silenced! <laughs> anyway. Uh, any, any final thoughts before we move on? I was at first worried at how OP the emblems would be, but I've noticed that with the way that they use it is not necessarily about making them more OP, but making them more versatile. Yes. So I'm really happy that they used it as another way to not necessarily just add balance to the game, but to add a variety to, of ways to play it. Exactly. That's exactly right. And, and furthermore, with, with certain abilities they have, you could only use them once. Yeah. Throughout the whole map. And that's important because it's like, okay, I have this special, like uh, with Marth, you get a uh, load star strike uh, or whatever it's called. And, you know, that's a devastating attack. And so I, I always saved that for the bosses when Alier would get close to them because I knew that could take uh, out one of their crystals, which uh, that was another thing I liked. The bosses have revival crystals. Yes. You have to, you have to be super strategic because you got to knock them out twice. Yep. So, which definitely becomes a problem later on in the games. <laughs> I promise you that. But, you know, you have to do this. And, or if you use, like, one of their support abilities, you have to be very careful about when you use that. And it's it's another level of strategy that you have to plan for. Because if you blow right through it, you're going to miss an opportunity to do something special later on. Or if you do engage right at the beginning of the map, you're going to blow through your, your uh, meter. And now you have to wait to recharge when it could absolutely save your life a little later on. So... Uh, they definitely they do a great job of balancing the emblems and like I said there's going to be some twists with them coming up to where you're going to need, need to be even more strategic with how you use them because things are going to happen like for example in chapter 10 this, this thing happens or <laughs> and then Ike comes in and beep! and then the black knight shows up and beep! and then the gods show up no. uh. <laughs> that's where you get bile isn't it no <laughs> like oh you thought this was the only bad dragon showing up in the game you were wrong no uh, <laughs> no comment that was that was not a, that was not a spoiler <laughs> three fell dragons <laughs> like, it was all the dragons all i am all the dragons <laughs> oh my gosh that's right they're going palpatine somehow <laughs> all the dragons returned <laughs> such a bad movie uh sorry jj no not you jj like abrams we have, gotcha. we, have a guy, we have a guy named JJ on our staff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I would insult him about other things, but not about this. Star Wars is not his fault. <laughs> no. Or is it? I don't think it is. I don't think he has that much power. <laughs> you know, you think you know someone, and then you realize that they were JJ Abrams' muse. I just, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying. And who knows who the muse of Rian Johnson is? Who knows anymore? Uh. <laughs> so my review of the game, Fire Emblem Gage, will possibly, possibly go up this weekend i feel like i'm nearing the end of the main game but before i do the final chapter i'm gonna make sure i do all the paralogs uh that i have access to and everything so maybe saturday or sunday possibly monday it just depends on how much time uh i get to invest in it because again some of these maps are really long like sometimes it takes me 40 minutes to an hour to do one map then you go to the somnail and you waste like 30 minutes there talking to everybody or and petting like, all your cats. No. Petting cats, <laughs> dealing with Sami, and you know, collecting all the 
glowing items that you see all around the map and trying to get support conversations because you have to talk to this girl that you like. I mean, uh, interact with these characters that you adore. They don't force me to talk to Chloe. I don't know what you're no! talking about. <laughs> I don't adore Ivy with all I have. No. <laughs> Although I do have to spoil one thing. As far as I know, and I, and I saw this on another guide, there are no marriages in this game. So, despite yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> despite it being called Fire Emblem Engage, which is what Will talked about two weeks ago, there are no ways for you to marry characters off. It's so ironic. We don't get more Divine Dragon Babies. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be the, the ending plotline, wouldn't it? Oh, God. <laughs> the rest of the Divine Dragons are dead. We need more. <laughs> get to work. <laughs> you have plenty of options. <laughs> And I, and I do want to note that, uh, especially for male Allier, they almost, almost go the harem route. Like, certain characters basically admit their fondness for you, like, almost immediately. And yes. It's like, you wake okay. up to people basically admitting how much they love you, and you're just like, I've been sleeping this entire time. You don't know me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I like how Allier just flatly calls that out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ali is a really unique character. I want to talk about that really quick. He's—I saw someone mention he's basically an isekai character, <laughs> and it's not wrong. No, because I mean, think about it. Most of the characters you meet in Fire Emblem are their lords raised in a certain way, or with like Ike, they're mercenaries. Robin was—I don't have a memory, but you know I'm loyal. Blah blah blah. With 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 Alier, it's like I'm just happy to be here. I woke up from a nap, and then I uh, was apparently in the middle of a war. <laughs> yeah. like, so, like, I'm a dragon. Hey, oh my gosh. I have a mom. That's great. You know, the, the people have been watching me sleep. A little, que little creepy, but I shall endure. <laughs> not, the not the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. No. Yeah. He's, he's, he's arguably the most relatable character outside of Ike, and I, I say outside of because obviously Ike's a mercenary. He was raised to be you know a fighter and all that Alier's like i'm scared of these guys you know i want to run <laughs> a bunch of zombies attacking you what should we do we should probably run but you're the divine dragon yep but that doesn't mean i'm an idiot <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> that's relatable <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I, like uh, now, this is like very early chapter spoilers like you you have this knight as one of your early retainers and he's like we should probably fight like no let's run <laughs> It's like, but you're the divine dragon. Like, like he, Scott said, you're the divine dragon. So we're gonna get hurt. <laughs> and then, and then, Cram and Fram run up to trying to block him. It's like, crap! Now I gotta go defend these guys. Now oh, I have to go save them because they're idiots. <laughs> now I will. Now I will help you all out. Fine, let's let's do this. Okay, fine, be that way. So, yeah, I really, I, I was a little worried at first because Alier was almost too different from all the lords we've met. But I like I like how they develop him over time, and I, I won't spoil some of the beats he gets or she gets. Um, but they do make it a meaningful, <laughs> a meaningful Isekai character. Uh, it, and so, again, sometimes you have to go different, you know. Like remember, Byleth was technically very different, but again, tragic backstory. And oh, I, I, by the way, I'm, I'm blessed with a dragon a goddess within me. Sure, why not? <laughs> Yeah, there's oh. a little girl that so sits on the throne and she bosses me around even if she was like half my height. But and no one believes you when I say she exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she says I'm the beginning of what? I'm just the beginning of what? I don't know. No, he's on third. Don't go to him. 
Pooh. No, he's on first. What? No, he's on second. <laughs> I, swear, I will do the whole skit for you. I will do all of who's on first. Do not get me started. Oh, you're not going to get me started? Fine, be that way. All right. Uh, but my, my review hopefully will go up this weekend. If not, it will be done by next week. I feel like I'm only maybe five hours away from the end, which is still a 25-hour game. You know, I wasn't expecting the 100 hours of Persona 5 Royal. No. <laughs> yeah, and I failed. I, okay, I failed to finish the game before Engage happened, and I even played it late into Friday as I was waiting for Keith to give me the code. So once I'm done with Fire Emblem, I'm right back to Persona because <laughs> I'm not done with it! So... Not bitter. Not bitter at all. End the game, thank you! I'm playing it for a month! Literally! A month! Now you can imagine how much the completionist is like trying to complete it. <laughs> yeah. I must I don't even know how you could do that completionist wise because I mean I, I I know I'm not gonna get all ten level supports on all my characters. I mean I, I was very good about how I balanced them all out. So whatever. Yusuke can suffer, he was a he was a dumb character anyway. <laughs> Yeah, and a catchy, need I say more? So, all right. The catchy takes you to all the jazz locations. <laughs> yeah. So you can see, I'm not gonna, I mean, should I spoil it? I mean, it's a six, it's like a, what, a five-year-old game? Six -year -old I, game. I'm not gonna, yeah, you, you can say it if you want. He's evil! <laughs> I knew it from the first time I met him, but like, he's evil. He is so dang evil, and you want me to make a relationship with him? No! <laughs> I mean, he literally has, like, the same features of Light Yagami, and that was my first thought process, was, he's the bad guy, isn't he? Twist! <laughs> so, anyway. If you're enjoying Fire Emblem Gage, please let us know. We'd love to talk to you about it. Uh, I will have my review up as soon as possible, and I'll uh, talk about it more next week. I won't give my score. I want to... I know what my score will be. It's a two! No, I'm joking. Uh, 2.5 Ikes out of 3. No, <laughs> no, no, no 7.8, not enough Ikes. <laughs> but uh, look forward to that, and we look forward to hearing what you have thought about the game. So with that, we will now go to the news, because we have some very interesting things to talk about. So it's time to go down the warp pipe. And first, Blatfest. Yes. Yes. We have officially gotten confirmation from now multiple, I'm sorry, multiple Twitter feeds. At first, it was just the UK and Europe, and we've had some differences between the US and the UK in the past. So we had to wait. But yes, the official Global Splatfest for next month, we are getting one next month. That was not known because of what happened with the big run in December, because we didn't have a Splatfest that month. Yep. But we are going to get, right before Thanksgiving, a chocolate triple threat. It is dark chocolate versus milk chocolate versus That's it. white chocolate. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you thought it was just two again. You were wrong! I just want to erase one of those chocolates from the chocolate spectrum. That's all. <laughs> oh, I was going to make a joke here. Oh, I want to make a joke here. So what do you, what do you, what do you got against the whites? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just because white chocolate isn't real chocolate. <laughs> yeah, you heard it here. He doesn't like whites. <laughs> so, but yes, it's dark chocolate versus milk chocolate versus white chocolate. Uh, we are, me and Scott are both team milk chocolate. Yes, <laughs> I will. I will eat dark chocolate, but you can taste the difference. And then yeah. white chocolate, I've never been the biggest fan of. Um, my mom has made desserts with white chocolate. 
just doesn't taste the same, doesn't taste right to me. The only thing that I like white chocolate on is probably like the white chocolate pretzels for like flips. But yeah. otherwise, I do not like white chocolate on anything. Like even like the white chocolate pastries they have, it's just ugh. Yeah, it's uh, eh. I oh, and everyone's gonna have their opinion. I am actually very curious to see what Will, Will says. For all I have a feeling he might be a dark chocolate guy. I'm not. That sure wouldn't surprise why. me. I'm not sure why, but he just, it just it just fe- it just feels right. Yeah, you know, it just, it just feels like something Will would like. So, I I, I don't know, but it's going to be on the 10th through the 12th. So again, right before, uh, right right before Valentine's Day. So be ready for that. I find it interesting that they're doing this right after the Taste Buds one, but may, but I think that was. You know, kind of intentional because it gets Valentine's Day. What do you usually get your significant other? You get them chocolate or you get them yep. flowers. <laughs> so, and what were they? What were they supposed to do with flowers? Roses versus <laughs> tulips versus lilies, maybe. Maybe, but there's a lot of flowers to choose from. Yeah. Whereas the chocolate, there's not a lot. There's milk and dark. Yeah. And then there's a uh, the wax, whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, then there's candy flowers. Don't forget about candy. Yeah, there yeah. are candy flowers. Yeah, so some people don't know why they exist, but they do. <laughs> they exist for people who don't want to have real flowers. <laughs> that, that is one way of putting it, for sure. All right, uh, but yeah, so that's gonna be that's gonna be an interesting one. And Will has alerted me that he likely won't be back in time for that one, so we'll have to do either a special satellite spot where we get someone else to be the third party, or we'll just team up and blast every chocolate with <laughs> milk chocolate. I mean, I wouldn't... flexible, gosh damn you! <laughs> I mean, or we could just get rid of white chocolate, because nobody likes that. I mean... No, sorry, that, that's not true. I, I saw some tweets already saying that they will defend white chocolate <clears throat> to the end of the earth. I mean, those people are wrong. They can defend whatever they want to defend. Doesn't mean they're right. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, you, as we have said multiple times on this podcast, you are entitled to your opinion. It's not our fault that your opinion is wrong. <laughs> exactly. White chocolate sucks, just like Thor Love and Thunder. I, I said it. <laughs> I said it. You, you know it's true. All right? You know it's true. All right. Now let's move on to something else that's sweet. Daddy Sakurai! <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. Uh, but I digress. So he had another, well, he's actually had a couple, but he's had another one of his creating games videos. And this one, I feel, shows the true character of Sakurai. I I personally would have told you that it was the uh, speak up when you think something is wrong video that we talked about last mm-hmm. week, or the week before. Uh, because it was important. It It's something that should happen in the game industry, but it didn't. Or hasn't yet. This one is next level. So... During the pandemic, as you all know, the game industry had to go from uh, working in their you know fancy offices or dedicated buildings to working at home. Now, for many people, including myself and my mom, uh, what about you, Scott? When, what, what, were you okay during the pandemic working from home? Oddly enough, yes. I already was working from home, but that was just because during the pandemic, I was actually remotely working from the place where my wife was doing college at the time. There you go. And I was the same. I was the same way. I was already working from home because of the nature of my job. But for a lot of game developers, that wasn't really an option. And so when Sakurai, at this point in time, the his team was working on uh, the fighter packs for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. The main game was already done, so they're working on the DLC characters. 
And when the pandemic hit, they all had to go from the offices to work at home. And so a, a little while in, he sent out a survey to ask them, what are the pros and cons of working from home at, during this time? And there were positives, such as, you know, just being in your own house, not having to commute. I think a lot of people underestimated that one. Uh, yeah. Like my mom <clears throat> loves that she doesn't have to commute to work anymore. <laughs> like, she'll have to go to the office, like, every maybe two days in a week, maybe. But most of the time, she could just work from home. And she's fine with that. She's like, I don't waste gas. I don't have to worry about traffic or stoplights or parking. And, you know, she doesn't have to worry about it. And a lot of people underestimated that. Uh, there's being able to, like, go and get yourself a snack from your pantry or your fridge. And that's all great stuff. But then there was the bad side. And I honestly didn't think about this from in the overall perspective. Like, I realized, sure, these people were having troubles because, again, they were going from a dedicated space to a non-dedicated space. And that was one thing. But as Sakurai noted, especially in Japan, a lot of these developers didn't have setups within their homes to let them do their jobs. For example, one of the reasons that I, likely Scott, were able to do our jobs from home is because I have a dedicated desk where I have my PC, and that's where I do all my work. A yep. lot of Sakurai's people didn't have that. So they didn't have like those dedicated desks where they could just easily sit under. They had like the basic Japanese style of desk where it's like really low to the ground. And so they had to like get on their knees or lie on their sides to do work on that table because that was all that they had. And some of them didn't even have that. Some of them lived in apartments where they had really poor Wi-Fi or they couldn't get a good signal. And others who needed like a television to test certain properties of the game on didn't have a good one to do that. And as he read these surveys, he goes, I really need to fix this now. If this person wasn't Daddy Sakurai, he probably would have just told him to deal with it. Or <laughs> get it yourself. No. Get, get, get it yourself. Like, oh, you have to have this to work. Sakurai realized, I need to help everyone. So he used his company, Sora LTD, and he basically gave them the ability to send him links to like Amazon or similar sites and to tell him what they needed. Hey, I need better HDMI cables or a uh, switchers i need you know a dedicated a better wi-fi connector hey i need a tv hey i need a a chair to sit on my desk i need a desk you know he said send me everything and i'll pay for it all straight up i will pay for everything and i will send it to you <laughs> and that's exactly what he did and then this is the better best part he didn't ask for it back nope <laughs> nope and this as he would later admit, was a great idea because the pandemic didn't end as quickly as a lot of people thought that it could have for various reasons that we will not, not do. It, we are it was not the three months that was promised. No. Yeah. Oh, this will end. This will blow over. Are you sure about that? Um, so yeah, he said, send me what you need. Send me the links to what you need and I will get it to you. And he fronted everything. The whole nine yards. He got them everything that we're talking like hundreds of people. There were a lot of people working on Smash Bros. And he even said that there were people at Bandai Namco were helping on the game, which Scott, you noted last week. And oh, it was two weeks ago. Doesn't matter. But it's one of those times. One of those times. <laughs> but Bandai Namco helped out on the game as well as other people like Monolith Studios and all that. Or Monolith Soft. And he got them what they needed too. He used his company to get everyone what they needed and then didn't ask for anything back. 
that's not just selfish. That's like Pope level. Okay? <laughs> he is blessing everyone. <laughs> and he's not asking for anything in return. Who does that? Sakurai does. Yeah, seriously. Only Sakurai would have done something like this. And I... He even notes that like other the other like publishers there with like a Bandai Namco and Nintendo could have done like actually bought them for it, but it would have required a lot of going around to management and actually trying to discuss what like they needed and how to actually monitor it. And he's just like that would have taken way too much time and would have impacted development too much. Yeah. So he's like, I'm just gonna do it myself. <laughs> yeah. But she was able to because he has a company just for that. <laughs> yeah. And. And he he obviously fronted the bill, which honestly reminds me of the late Mr. Awada, who, uh, if you recall, during the Wii U debacle, he cut he and their other heads of Nintendo gave themselves a pay cut to ensure that everyone else could get paid so that they didn't have to do layoffs. Yep. Imagine that. A company. <laughs> this is a great time for that thing to come out again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah a, co a company, you know, sacrificing some of the pay at the top level, guys, so that they don't have to lay off a lot of people who, you know, are making the games that they're supposed to be releasing. Mm. <laughs> so, but it just blew my mind that Sakurai did that. And I can imagine that a lot of companies, and obviously I can't speak for all companies, but you would imagine that stories like this would have gotten out more if like everyone was doing it. And I don't think they did. Or if they did, it was very well hushed up for whatever reason. And this just makes me appreciate Sakurai more because that's just so dang selfless. He, and you could say he did it both as a professional standard because he obviously needs his people to work at their best capacity, but he knew it would also just help them out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, you could say, oh, but he was just thinking about the business. Well, I mean, technically, but he's already shown that he's cared for his workers and he wants everyone to you know, be happy while they're working on games. So it's kind of hard to do when you're panicking about getting your job done because you don't have the right internet or the right uh, desk or you know, you're know, you straining yourself to get your work done. You know, game development is stressful. And so the last thing you need is like outside influences, like not having a desk to work on. So yeah, go Sakurai. And again, he didn't ask for them back. So they all technically still have all the items, more than likely, that they uh, asked for. Whether it was a chair, a desk, a table, uh, better internet output, and blah, blah, blah. You know, that's... Yeah, I guess they, they probably should, at least. Unless, I don't know, maybe some of them felt guilty or something. Oh, I'm sure some felt guilty. <laughs> it's like, we're not worthy of your love! <laughs> and it's like, fine, never ask me for anything again. <laughs> But uh, thank you, Sakurai, for your selflessness. Thank you for just being a great guy. I mean, if nothing else, these videos show you that this Sakurai is just the most fun-loving game developer out there. If there's a flaw with this guy, I don't know it. <laughs> and I don't want to know it. <laughs> I don't want to know. I don't want to know. He's perfection. He is perfection. That's like the, whole, the holiness of Sakurai. <laughs> I, I think I, I think we joked about this on another uh, previous podcast, but if you recall the E3 uh, special openings that they did, where they did like the puppets and they did uh, robot chicken, I want them to do one with anime, with like Miyamoto, and they bring back Reggie for one time, and they have the uh, Shintaro Furukawa, and they're all in danger, and then from the heavens comes Sakurai, <laughs> in epic anime like Sep like Sephiroth form, and they're like, Daddy Sakurai, and then he just like wipes out all the enemies and goes, never asking for anything again. <laughs> So, you know, like a guy can dream. <laughs> a guy can dream. So, but again, certainly can. De de definitely go watch <laughs> that. Uh, it's a really inspiring video. And again, 
something that we all should all, all of game development should take note of because sometimes your workers just need your help okay all right next up we have octopath traveler we got the third character trailer now i want to note this they said it was the final character trailer I double-checked. They have still not talked about two of their characters. Okay, I looked through, like, all their videos. So I don't, I don't know if that was just a misprint on the tweet or whatever. But we, we got two more characters with with Oshet and Castidi, who are the hunter and the cleric. I'm sorry, the apothecary. Sorry, the apothecary. Um, Oshet, is, the hunter, is on a quest to save her island uh, from an event known as the Night of the Scarlet Moon. She was raised by a certain lord of the island who was, happens to be an animal. And she's out. she has to go travel the land to find some sacred creatures to bring back to fight the monsters that are now trying to besiege her island. Then there's Castidi, who has lost her memory, uh, but still knows how to do her, me her medical woman gimmick. And so she sets out to find out who she was and heal as many people as possible. So, and then they they are also having their own crossover story, even though we haven't gotten too much details on that. But these characters do look like a lot of fun and nice twists on the ones that we had from the previous game. So, I'm very excited for this. And we are less than a month away from this. It comes out on the 24th. <laughs> so, we are, we are one month away, less than a month away. And uh, I'm very excited for this. May actually be able to pick this up now that Rise is delayed another month. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm just so happy that I have like so many games to play. Yes, <laughs> I got I gotta be I gotta be Fire Emblem Engage so I can finally finish Persona Five, and then by that time I'll hopefully be as close to February 24th as possible, so that I can play that. And then in March I got Bayonetta Origins and Jedi Survivor. Uh, April and May are looking a little light, so I might go into my backlog and play like Mass Effect or Final Fantasy VII and, and Remake Integrate. And then May is Breath or dang it, Breath of the Wild too. Gosh dang it, <laughs> I will get this right one day. Here's the Kingdom Same One or Breath Kingdom. of the Wild two, one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing. Like management wants you, management wants you to notice the differences in these photos. They're the same thing. That's right. I know the Office memes. Be grateful. But I yes. will be. <laughs> But yes, uh, Tears of the Kingdom will come out, and then that will probably take me at least a month, more than likely, especially if I go completionist route. So most likely. Most likely. I, I actually didn't for Breath of the Wild, but that was also when I had like a lot more time on my hands. <laughs> yeah, so I was able to do that in like the first two weeks, but we'll see how it goes this time around. All right, actually, speaking of uh, Tears of the Kingdom, that's going to be our next story, because we need to talk about... Clouds. This is a thing. I promise you. Uh, okay. Yes, we are so desperate, ladies and gentlemen, for information. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. We are so desperate for information that people were looking at the patents and trademarks filed by Nintendo, and they found one uh, for optimization of clouds. Yeah. So I, I looked into this because I'm I'm I was very confused, and apparently to make not just clouds but make clouds that move and are realistic and all that it actually takes a lot of processing power which if you think about it you know they're in the sky and there has to be projected and they're supposed to move and blah 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 so it does make sense that they would take a little bit of extra work but apparently nintendo has found a way to optimize them so that they take less 
processing power or something like that. And the reason that they, people think that this is tied to ah, Tears of the Kingdom, I said Zelda, not Tears of uh, Breath of the Wild, uh, Tears of the Kingdom is because one of the people who is attached to the inventor of the trademark is a former uh, or, or a previous team member of Zelda. So he worked on uh, Twilight Princess and some of the other games. So we're going to get really good looking clouds. <laughs> Be on the lookout. <laughs> yes. It's like, have you ever just like looked at the clouds? You know, like their fluffiness and how they move and the symbolic nature of them in like nature, you know? Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> I regret nothing. So, yeah, but again, that's how desperate we are, ladies and gentlemen. We are trying to find meaning in clouds. I mean, we're gonna have we're gonna be having a <laughs> a long time till May if this is how the Nintendo forums keep going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yes, we are fully expecting a Nintendo Direct to happen next year. Or sorry, yes, next year. <laughs> you have to It'll happen until... sometime next year. You have to wait until twenty twenty four. So, uh, hopefully, we'll get a Nintendo Direct next month. And then go from there. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Next up, we have. Uh, okay, this is this is a rumor, but it is possible. So apparently, there was uh, a, one of the, an insider who was one of the ones who revealed uh, Metroid Dread before it was announced at E3 in 2021. Uh, said that Mercury Steam, the developer behind the game has already gotten the green light to do another 2D Metroid title. As he should. Uh, yeah, and, th and this <laughs> one's a rumor. Yeah, this one's a rumor that I can actually get behind because it makes sense. It makes sense because why wouldn't they? Yeah. Right? They did Met they did Metroid Samus Returns to the 3DS. It did well. Then they did Metroid Dread, which was Game of the Year nominee and the best-selling Metroid game of all time. All right, beating the Prime series. So why wouldn't you get them to make another title? Like now, I, now I can't guarantee it'll be for the Switch. It might be one of the first games for the next console. I don't know. It just, it depends on when they started, when they think they'll be done, how big they're gonna go, et cetera, et cetera. So, but this is a rumor I can actually get behind. Clearly, Scott doesn't feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm just. Trying to process it all because we're good. I do think that this is definitely a rumor that makes sense, and it definitely is something that should happen, especially because they saw Metroid Dread be successful. So they should, you know, want another successful Metroid game. But then again, we we figured Prime would probably have been successful, and that's been somewhere, somewhere. Yeah. So, and and obviously with Nintendo, you, you never know. Maybe they'll want them to go to another franchise. I don't know. But based on how well Dread did with the Switch, both critically, fan-wise, and sales-wise, there's no reason not to continue Samus' adventures, especially since, wait for it, we still don't know anything about Metroid Prime 4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we got an update like four and a half years ago that it was uh, in development done. again. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I ha we have it in our chat. I'm going I'm to look at it. Uh, let's see, it's GoldenEye. Oh yeah, GoldenEye, we forgot to mention that. That, that is coming out the 27th, which is which, tomorrow. Which, to, yeah, tomorrow slash today, depending <laughs> on when you're, when you're listening to this. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. It's somewhere. Oh, here we go. No, not that one. 
Uh, okay, it must have been somewhere else. But yes, basically four years ago was when Nintendo announced that Metroid Prime 4 was getting a complete overhaul and being done by Retro Studios, the original creators of the trilogy, uh, the Metroid Prime trilogy. And then I noted that that means that we're almost six years uh, removed from when the first announcement <laughs> for that came in the tra in the uh, teaser that me and Tyler totally screamed on. Because <laughs> we saw four. I'm like, what is this, like, a Fantastic Four? That's like, no, it's Metroid Prime 4. I was like, ah! 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 <laughs> yeah, Nintendo regretted that. They admitted that fully and completely. They regret doing that now. I mean, I understand why they did it, especially with the tw with the with the Twitch. Yes, with Twitch, Nintendo owns Twitch. You just don't realize. It. <laughs> <Could> you... <clears throat> just like they started the pandemic. <laughs> yes. See, you're starting to understand. It all makes sense. <laughs> it's all it's all connected. Um, I could go on with this joke, but I won't. But uh, yes, yeah, since since at the time the Switch was doing so much better than they anticipated, they wanted to show that they had all these things in the works, including Metroid, because at the time, Metroid hadn't had a major release since Other M. No, I do not count Federation Force. Shut up. <laughs> and so they wanted to show, hey, we are bringing back Metroid. And it was a good symbol of what was to come in terms of, you know, having all the franchises on board. But, yeah, it's been almost six years. We still don't have a release date. It's officially getting, like, the Kingdom Hearts 3 treatment. <laughs> it's out there, but we don't know where. And, and, and that is actually a good analogy because we know that that game got a reboot, uh, as did Final Fantasy VII Integrate, or sorry, remake, but still yeah. Integrate, still definitely accurate. But yeah, like a, a lot of those games have gotten, you know, <laughs> uh, update updates, remakes th midway through development. Sometimes it just happens. But yeah, hopefully, one way or the other, we either hear about Metroid Prime Four or this new 2D Metroid game sooner or later. One would pray. One would pray. All right, and finally, we're going to go to our returning co-host, Tyler. T Tyler, tell you, tell you, Tyler. Hello. Okay, he's not here. I sent him a memo. I swear I did. But yes, we were talking about obviously Sonic. I don't know if you know this. Tyler is a fan of Sonic. It's canon. What do you it is do? true. It is true. <laughs> so, some of you might know the origins of Sonic in its most base form. By that we mean that it was meant to... Sonic was created specifically to counteract Nintendo and Mario. Mario was slow. Sonic is fast. Mario's primary color is red, which, if you really think about it, is it, though? Like, <clears throat> like think about it. He's got blue overalls. And he's got the red hat and shirt. But he's got blue shoes. Right? It's a mix. I think they just think of it because Luigi is as green. <laughs> or I guess player two Mario is green. Okay, I'm looking at it now. He's got bright blue overalls. He's got yellow buttons. He's got a red shirt and a hat. Okay, his shoes are brown. And his stash is black. His eyes are blue. So shouldn't it be more blue than that? It doesn't matter. But uh, either way, he was Sonic's primary color was blue to offset the red. Uh, Mario was just, you know, kind of a chill guy. Sonic is kind of a jerk and impatient, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the uh, actual co-creator of Sonic's design, uh, Naoto Oshima, went on to Twitter on the 21st, and he revealed that the initial game that they were going to make to, you know, fuel Sega was a game called uh, Twin Stars. 
it was about twin brothers who were going to protect a dream world from a nightmare world's boss known as 13. And that eventually evolved into Sonic. Somehow. I, I don't know where any of those came to that to be Sonic. Because that actually sounds like something that I could see in it, like an RPG. <laughs> exactly. And you know, it does look like an RPG in, in, in a way. And if you look at some of the concept art that he posted, uh, he shows Sonic with some of those characters. And this one giant bee-like character is clearly the inspiration for Robotnik. <laughs> like the rotund figure, the mustache, the face, it's all there. But uh, yeah, it was... Sonic almost wasn't even a hedgehog. Which is obviously mind-boggling to think about now. But back then, you know, you never know what's going to be a hit. And so, obviously, Twin Stars never got made. But, yeah, Sonic almost had a very different origin. Or, and a very <laughs> different look. And a very different game. See? And you thought you thought you knew everything. You don't! <laughs> I do not know everything. <laughs> I was like, I know nothing. I know nothing. Don't get that reference. I know, I'm old. <laughs> I get it, alright. Alright, and with that, we are heading to our main event, where we're actually going to do a slight offshoot of the discussion we had last week. So, last week, we talked about Fire Emblem Engages Reviews, and how many people compared it to Three Houses, and whether it was fair to be uh, judging it because it wasn't like the previous mainline game. On our Discord, uh, one of our co-workers, uh, brought up a very interesting point about genres in general. His name is Jordan Andow. He's one of our main writers. Uh, he noted that he feels he feels, sorry. He noted that there are games that are arguably very, very good, but their review scores are sometimes lowered because of people, and by people we mean like reviewers and gamers, kind of being fatigued from the genre that they are in. So are their review scores lowered because of their comparison to everyone else versus their own quality? And me and Scott will break this down in an intent discussion. topic rather fascinating which is why i wanted to do this as a follow-up to our fire discussion because i can see why people can judge a game for its other entries in its genre versus its own individual quality and i do feel that some titles are weighed down because of their comparison to all these other games despite them having a quality all their own <coughs> yeah yeah but a, a, a good example for me is that a, a lot of people. Let, let's look at the fighting game genre. We, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, the fighting game genre has like so many like diehard franchises, and they're all they all try to be different. But you can definitely see like the tiers of like what are the best ones, what are the like the good ones, what ones are like just kind of there, and that's unfair to some because they're missing out on potentially really great fighting games just because they're not Mortal Kombat. Or they're not Street Fighter, or they're not Smash Brothers. Yes, Smash Brothers is a fighting game. <clears throat> Sakurai said so. <laughs> Actually, Sakurai said it wasn't a fighting game. That doesn't matter. Exactly. He said so. <laughs> See, we, we, we do have we do have a flaw in our in our God's eyes. All right. Uh, not no no one's perfect. Not even Sakurai. 
He's close though. But um, it's I could see why it's really easy to compare it to say like, oh, you know, this game was good, but it's no Smash Brothers, so you know, why should I enjoy it, or why why should I give it as good of a rating? And I think that's unfair in most cases. Yeah. So. I guess to give a little bit of the fun context surrounding this whole discussion we had, it was actually <clears throat> starting about Forspoken and some of the issues that they were having <laughs> with Forspoken. Yeah. And I was just casually noting, it's like all these issues you're having were in other games that arrived and you never had issues with it prior. So was that actually your issue kind of a deal? And <clears throat> their response was just, well, it's just bad. And it's just like, okay, let's, let's dissect this. <laughs> And that was when Jordan's just like, maybe it's because there's so many games in the genres that some of these things just like come out at you more when it's like a different game doing it. And it could just be something that you see more aligned when you're used to it in a different kind of fashion. So for like example, Forspoken's dialogue is, yes, cringy. <clears throat> but so was a previous game Square Enix actually released last year, which was the Final Fantasy Strangers of Paradise. Dialogue was also cringy. However, one game was praised for how cringy the dialogue was because it made the character quote unquote relatable being in a Final Fantasy game, and the other one just made them flat out as if uh, I'm trying to fit in as a teenager kind of cringy. When it's on like a similar premise kind of a deal. And so that also makes us wonder about like Fire Emblem having a lower score than you think of other ones, but that's also because we got a bunch of tactical RPGs last year and even, like, in the last few months, we've had, like, Tactics Ogre make a rebirth. We had Suikoden make a rebirth. We've had all of these other SRPGs coming out. We've had the Diofield Chronicle. That's, like, the Final Fantasy Tactics kind of redo. We've also had even, like, Triangle Strategy come out last year. So there's a lot more SRPGs now coming out through the horizon. And even a lot of indie creators are starting to do a lot more our SRPGs because of a new engine that came out called the SRPG Studio. So, <clears throat> one of the reasons why, say, like, I think Fire Emblem maybe have a, a, slow, a lower score than it probably would have otherwise is because of how many more games now there are out in that kind of a genre. As an, as an excellent example, and a very good insight on, like, the game engine and everything, because that obviously affects a lot of things. Um... Another great example would be the open world genre in general. At one time, it was very rare to have this sprawling world that you can uh, go walk through at whatever pace you wanted. Even when you think of a game like, say, Ocarina of Time, which had a big world, but you weren't like going through it on a whim. You were going to this domain, and you were in this domain. You know, you couldn't reach here, you couldn't reach there. It was only with Breath of the Wild that you could go everywhere and that's why a lot of people praised it was because we had been used to this style of zelda game and all of a sudden now we can go anywhere we want <laughs> in this giant world now we can climb trees yes <laughs> climb trees you can climb up mountains unless it's raining because if it's raining you can't uh, climb then it sucks <laughs> lightning sucks lightning was the worst oh yeah lightning when you're like oh i have to switch all my weapons now because otherwise i want to get attacked by everything yeah. But uh, but as some people noted, including uh, former now I have to say former it sucks uh, former G four host uh, Adam Sessler, while Breath of the Wild was expansive, it wasn't as fulfilling as certain other games that he's played, like like a Horizon Zero Dawn or Forbidden West. Uh, actually, sorry, Scratch Styles. 
the comment came before Forbidden West came out, but still, uh, mm. you know, with Horizon or certain other overworld games, they fill it with content to where you can do so many things. If you actually look at where Breath, what the Breath of the Wild is, it has lots of things for you to do, but it does take you a while to get there. Yeah. And, and that's fine, because it was like their first open world game of this type, and so it made sense that there wasn't as much as the previous games, but it, it made up for it in other aspects, and so that's why it was beloved. And but then there were other games that clearly copied from the Breath of the Wild formula, like uh, Phoenix, uh, what was it, Phoenix Rising, Immortals, Phoenix Rising. Oh yeah, Immortals, yeah. Yeah, Immortals, <clears throat> and uh, even Genshin Impact. What? And, That's a clone? No. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a clone. But uh, and, and we all know the reason that that game succeeded was not because of the open world mechanics. It was not the open world mechanics. No. They they do add more things to it, but it's definitely the the waifu simulator. Yes. <laughs> so, and but now. If you really think about it, what are gamers most tired of? They're tired of open world games. Yep. They don't. And Xplay actually did a video on this uh, before their demise, sadly. And they talked about how a lot of developers, citing ones like Ubisoft, they will do everything in their power to make like this absolutely large open world and they don't want that because they have to think about you know how far am i going uh where am i going like how many hours upon hours upon hours of content are we doing here uh i love the example of uh, uh of assassin's creed valhalla because they they showed a shot where you're like at the beginning of the game and they show this grand shot of the world and it's beautiful it's a beautiful shot but then they do pop-ups of all the places that you're going to be going eventually in the game and you can see just how far you're going yeah just to get all that stuff there's like hundred like over a hundred hours of gameplay in there and there are people there are plenty of gamers that don't want to play a hundred hour game <laughs> they want to they want a 10 hour adventure they want a 20 hour adventure maybe 30 if they if they feel like they have the time um not everyone is going to play Persona 5 because that thing is over 100 bloody hours. And it's a great 100 bloody hours, great... but it is still 100 bloody hours yeah. for one playthrough. Exactly. <laughs> one. And then if you want to do things differently, you have to go all the way back and play all over again. Yes. So... Luckily, there's a good skip button in case like you don't want to have to relive certain things. Yeah. <laughs> like any... But there's still a lot of content of game. Exactly. And uh, even with, like, Fire Emblem Engage, I, I'm really close to the end, and I have a feeling that by the time I'm done with all the paralogs and the main missions and every, and my time on the Somniel, I'll probably be close to 30 hours. That's about a good average for the Fire Emblem series. I Like, I recall Awakening and uh, uh, the Telia Saga being between 20 to 30 hours, depending on how fast you were and how good you were at the tactics and your unit strengths and blah, blah, blah. Um, versus like three houses where you were doing 60 to 80 hours because of the branching storyline. So that one yep. made sense, you know. And then you have Persona, which is again over 100 hours. <laughs> <sighs> so with with so many with so many so sorry with so many open world games having all these hours of content, not everyone's gonna want to play them all. Not mm -mm. not not everyone has hundreds of hours to dedicate. To games like i'm lucky all right i work from home i have jobs that pay me well enough to where i could get them done within a few hours and then i, I have like maybe two to four hours a day if i'm lucky to play games i gotta watch television obviously that takes up time as well but <laughs> just do both no. <laughs> priorities. 
Um, but I'm lucky. There are people who aren't. There are people who maybe can get an hour of gaming in, or two hours if they're lucky, or they have to wait till the weekend to play a game. And so I can understand the fatigue with all these open world titles or, or certain flooding of other genres because they don't have the time to play all these titles. And so sometimes they will look at the review scores and go, oh, this one was reviewed better than that one, so clearly I have to play that one. Well, that's not exactly how it works because, as we all know, some review scores are biased. Some review scores are inaccurate. <laughs> some can be a little misinformed. misinformed <laughs> or, and some can just be that one personal person's preference. Like, yep. for example, I was one of the people who did not give Breath of the Wild a perfect score. I stand by that. <laughs> All right? I didn't like the weather system at points. The breaking weapon system I thought was a pain. It is. It is. <laughs> oh, it is. The Master Sword's not even 100% unbreakable. <laughs> like, how? It's the Master Sword! <laughs> and yes, they do reference that in the next game because the Master Sword clearly breaks. Okay. Mm -hmm. But, um... But in every other version, the Hylian Shield and that sword is not is unbreakable because they're blessed by gods! Um... Calm me down. Apparently the gods in this world don't do as well as they used to. Yeah. <laughs> so, I can understand why, or, or, or I stand by my thing. And there are some people who just didn't like the game, just like there are some people who don't like blockbuster movies or hit TV shows. Yep. Uh, like, for example, <laughs> I know an accredited comic book writer. He's, he's famous. He's done great work with great characters. He said he did not like everything everywhere all at once. You know, the movie that got nominated for Best Picture and Michelle Yeoh got awards. And has, like, literally most of the nominations in every Golden yeah. Globes and Oscar. <laughs> and he didn't like it. He just didn't. I am one of the few people who didn't like Andor. I thought it was boring. <laughs> I thought it was so boring. How but, dare you be different? <laughs> how dare you be different? So, but I had to watch. Otherwise, I'm just going to say, like, oh, it's clearly a good show. Everyone liked it, so I probably would if I watched it. No, I have to watch it because I need I need to know myself. But I can understand why some people are fatigued about these franchises, and then they'll, they'll that they will let that influence their perception of the game. And there were times going back to Fire Emblem Gage where I definitely felt my perception being skewed at points because I'm like, oh, this feels a little familiar. Oh, this this isn't as deep as Three Houses. And then I had this epiphany moment where I'm like. Didn't I say it didn't have to be? <laughs> like, it was during a conversation, they were talking about pickles. I kid you not. Those two characters are talking about pickles. And I'm like, you know, that's actually kind of funny, you know, because they both, you know, like, they like food and one grows pickles. So why, why wouldn't they talk about pickles? I'm like, that's it. In that game, it makes sense for them to talk about pickles. They don't need to talk about how all of them have a tragic backstory or everything, as we noted earlier. So I have to judge Engage on what its merits is, not how it compares to three houses and the Tellius saga and awakening and fates and shadow dragon or any other tactical rpg out there i judge triangle strategy not on what octopath did but on its own merits did i reference octopath in my review i did because i felt that there are things that octopath did do better but i still held triangle strategy terrible name on its own merits yeah you know, i forgot about that didn't you <laughs> I forgot about insulting that name. I did not. <laughs> I wish I could forget about it. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I, I wish I could forget about it. It should have been Scales of Conviction. It was right there in the game. No. Uh, seriously, the, the explanation for why the name was called, that was just dumb. I'm sorry. But uh, anyway, I, I do believe that there are times when 
you need to compare. Okay, there are times when comparisons to other entries in the genre or just other uh, fighting or other games in general are fully understandable. A great example is Street Fighter V. All right, when that game initially came out, it got mostly ripped because, yeah. in a bad way, because it was, and I'm quoting here, a lean fighting game. It was a no frills fighting title. Like if I recall correctly, IGN gave it a seven or an eight, and it was because they had a small roster. They didn't have a story mode. They had like a versus mode, online play, and like that was it. They had like very, I think they had like only sixteen characters. I think. Yeah, it came out super rough. It was because it, was, it had like it was very small. little content. <laughs> exactly, and then eventually they had the update where they did the story mode and the, and the extra modes and whatever. And then they actually broke their own rule and did the championship edition. Which, remember, they said they wouldn't do. They said they were not going to release multiple versions of the game. They lied. They lied. They lied! In this case, though, it was for the better. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so... absolutely. But it was understandable that they would compare that to all these other fighting games, like a Smash Brothers, like a King of Fighters, like a Mortal Kombat, like a Tekken. Because compared to all those games, this that title barely had anything. It was like the super lean version of a game that at one point had, what, like over 50 characters in one title? And now we have less than 20? Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, and so <laughs> in those cases, it's understandable that they could do the comparison because it's saying, you know, this game has no story mode. It only has, like, a third of the usual roster. It, it has very few modes to do outside of... It's clearly focused on online play and nothing else. And compared to, like, a Mortal Kombat, which was, you know, on its uh, on its ascension to glory again, uh, Tekken 7... Uh, which I think came out before five. I'm sorry if it didn't. I, I I don't know the timelines, but or Smash Brothers, which you know has dozens upon dozens of characters. Those comparisons are fine, and you can I I think that's fair to influence the score because of that because you have all these references data. These ones absolutely did it better. These ones were the standard, and this one like kind of skimped. And Capcom basically admitted that by doing the championship edition with everything better. That was Street Fighter Six. They're making sure they don't do anything <laughs> close to that. Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. So. Those comparisons are fine, but other ones where it's like, you know, there's just, just, just so many entries in this genre, you know, we need, we shouldn't have all this, and it's clearly, you know, there's too much. That's an improper way of thinking about it, because there might be a game that is in a genre that is flooded at the current moment, but if it stands out, that's a game you should go play. If Forspoken, and I, I, I won't be playing this myself, but I've, I've seen the reviews, and I've heard the backlash, and blah, blah, blah. If Forspoken was a standout title in the best way. No one would care that, you know, it's in a flooded genre because all of a sudden, oh my gosh, this is, you know, this fresh take in this genre. The reviews I've been hearing is that it's not. It's a bland take, uh, including our own review in, on the Outer Haven that you can read. It's a bland take in a genre that's already full of, like, better versions. So that's on them for not trying to stand out. And there, there are so many, like, you know, copy paste cookie cutter titles out there we don't need something like that now i won't speak on the dialogue that's that's as much about preference as it is anything else voice yeah act, voice acting is different you, you can usually tell when a voice actor is going too far uh even fire Emblem engaged are ones that like stand out in that <laughs> way. I'm like, yes you know. so, it's like oh i'm sorry divine dragon i was just trying to go plus ultra and uh, <laughs> oh sorry that was my other character but uh you know the point here is that we, we we need to take off the blinders, even when we are in something that is flooded, is overdone, and 
we still need to push for quality. We absolutely, like, that cannot be stated enough. If a game is bad, call it bad, but call it bad because it's bad. <laughs> and then explain why you feel it's bad. That's absolutely important. I think that's something that I don't think it's nearly as much written that should be is explaining reasons of perceptions of why something is bad rather than just saying it's bad and then they'll give off a very shallow a surface level yeah that doesn't really explain why they thought it was bad when i if you were to read my reviews of andor and thor love and thunder which i gave like very similar bad scores <laughs> um i go deep into why i felt something was bad whether it was like the perception of thor and jane and uh, jane foster to uh, the the story beats of Andor and how it like kept felt like it was building with something and then like wouldn't deliver in a meaningful way. I try my hardest to explain why I feel something is bad, so that you understand. That I'm not just saying it's bad or I didn't like it. I'm telling you why I felt that way. For example, in Fire Emblem Engage review that I will do, I will explain that I think it was a missed opportunity to not have the emblems talk with your characters more. Like they, they're the point. They're one of the main points of the game, and you're having to have like two sentence conversations when they're having full on dialogues with other characters. That's a missed opportunity, and I'm going to, you know, deduct points for that. So, I'm explaining why I feel it's bad, but I'm not saying it's bad because I'm not going. To, I am not going to say that the characters in the game are inferior to three houses because they don't have that deep of backstories. That's not fair. They don't need to. <laughs> they, there are two different kinds of games and two different kinds of settings with two different kinds of world-building stories. They're not always going to be as d depressing and tragic as we just Yeah, especially when you have like kingdoms and engage, where literally their big thing is just sitting next to a sleeping divine dragon, yeah. and that's their that's their sign of worship is just sitting there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm just uh, I'm just sitting here. I'm uh, I'm watching the dragon. Oh, I think I moved. Oh, wait, no, sorry. Just breathing. My bad. Well, <laughs> well, am, am I talking too much like this? It's not like I'm trying to be like this annoying a character of a movie I don't like. It was totally <laughs> terrible and voiced by a director who should have known better. <laughs> uh, totally tangent. But, uh, yeah. As always, and we've enforced this on this podcast multiple times, if you want to try something, try it yourself. You won't be able to play every game. Uh, it took me years to get Persona 5, okay? And I don't know when I'm going to get Persona 4 and 3 because I have all these other titles that I need to play first. I will get them eventually, and then I will judge them on their own merits, not based on Persona 5 or other tactical titles out there. You need to judge for yourselves, and if someone doesn't like it, that doesn't mean you will. You just need to try. So, okay. Want to go back and talk about chocolate? <laughs> chocolate! <No> chocolate. <laughs> Also, I hope you understand why we call it chocolate flood now. I've said flooding enough in this this conversation that the, the revelation <laughs> should be <laughs> apparent to you all. So with that, we are ending this episode of the Nintendo Entertainment Podcast. Let us know what you think about the fatigue that is very fairly being felt in the game industry right now and whether you feel it's affecting perception and review scores of certain titles and whether that's fair or not. Uh, also, let us know if you want a new 2D Metroid game from Mercury Steam. Uh, have you seen the new Octopath Traveler trailer? And do you like the new characters that were shown? Do you, are you now even more in love with Daddy Sakurai? The answer, of course, is yes. But tell us anyway. <laughs> and what side are you going to pick for the Splatfest? Let us know so that we'll, we'll know what you think before we do our sell and Splat in a few weeks. So, for Skull Kid Scott. I am Triforce Sign. Ladies and gentlemen, we are out of time. We are not out of lives. We made it to the end of the level. So, 
Raise the flag.